This is Soul Purpose, a podcast all about evangelism. Do you want to turn the hearts of the masses back to Jesus? This podcast deep dives into the practical aspects of pastoring your community. And now your host, Jonathan Laframboise. Welcome everyone yet again to another episode of the Soul Purpose Podcast. Now, our last episode, we talked about gospel warfare, you know, or in other words, spiritual warfare with a little bit more of a gospel emphasis on it. And going along that theme of warfare, a little bit different, but I still want to continue along that line of thought, because I think it's so important that we actually understand uh, or the authority, the position that we have in God, and of course, the position of the devil. We have to remember, always keep in mind, any single time we're engaging the enemy and anything that we do any form of warfare, we always, 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 it is imperative to remember that the enemy is defeated, that we do not pray for victory. However, we pray from victory. Everything we do in the kingdom of God is from a place of victory and never, ever, ever from a place of defeat. But we have to keep in mind the devil has been defeated. Now, keeping in mind that the devil's been defeated, we have to continually walk in that mindset of victory and living from a place of victory. And that's victory, not just over the devil, but over all of his schemes as well, over you know, sin and death over, uh, you know, the kingdom of darkness. But we have to remember in order to live in that place of victory, we have to live a victorious life over sin as well. The fact that we live in a constant state of victory in the Lord doesn't give us permission to live in a place of defeat, which means living in a place of indulging in sin and habitual sin. You know, yes, we will all fall short one way or another. We're all going to sin one way or another. Somehow, some way, somewhere, you know, we're going to fall short. You're going to sin. You're going to lie. You're going to cheat. You're going to steal. You may lust after someone. You may, uh, you know, uh, have competition rise up in your heart, jealousy, envy, strife, pride, arrogance, you know, whatever the sin is. One way or another, it's going to crop up somewhere. However, the forgiveness of Jesus is immediate. It's amazing. As soon as you ask God to forgive you, it says he puts your sins in a sea of forgetfulness. God immediately forgets uh, your sin as soon as you ask God to forgive you, to cleanse you by the blood, and you repent of those things, and you move in the other direction. So moving on into this idea of walking uh, in the victory of God, you know, in, in terms of also preaching the gospel. I find that moving in your authority, moving into a position of authority, uh, uh, really largely coincides together with the lifestyle that we actually live. Uh, You know, if we are called to be the salt of the world, you know, the light of the world, you know, and and we, in order for us to truly walk a victorious lifestyle, we have to live a kingdom lifestyle. You know, it's, we can't just pick and choose. You can't just say, well, you know, determine that I am living for Jesus, but not actually do what Jesus told you to do. 
You know, every single believer has a mandate from the Lord to be the light in the midst of darkness. And we'll see this in, in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you know, I want you to turn there or take a note. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. This is so important. This is the what's been coined as the Beatitudes. You know, Jesus' famous sermon, you know, talking about the way that we should live and in our heart posture in our attitudes. In, in Matthew 5 and verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is this no good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a but put the lampstand, put it on a lampstand that should give light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So in that context, you know, it says that you're, they may see your good works. And in the Bible, each time you see the word, the, the meaning of good works, it's talking about works that expands the kingdom of God. It talks about feeding the hungry, taking care of the widows, bringing in a stranger into your house, you know, taking care of those who are down and out, praying for the sick, preaching the gospel, doing things that are considered good works according to the kingdom of God. God, things that that propel that 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 expand the kingdom of God. Those are the good works that Jesus refers to. Now, looking back in verse thirteen, it says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Seasoned is no good for nothing, but be trampled underfoot by men." Now, that is a an encouragement, but yet also a rebuke from the Lord. So we have to remember that that we are called to be the salt. And if we lose our, our flavor, if we, we how can we be seasoned? So salt is a preservative. You know, if you talk to anyone, you know, from the Maritimes out east as a fisherman, you know, they, they, they preserve the fish they catch by salting it. You know, every time you dry out some kind of meat, there's a salting that happens. There's salt preserves food from going bad. But as soon as that salt loses its flavor, you could talk to fishermen, people who, who salt food. I'm not talking about putting some salt on your dinner plate. I'm talking about the industry of preserving food that, that you would salt it. If you talk to anyone like that, like who's in that industry, they'll tell you once the salt loses its flavor, it's literally no good for anything else. They literally throw it on the floor. It goes into the trash. So Jesus is actually comparing us to this salt. He says, if you lose your ability to preserve society, if you stop doing good works, he says, you're only good to be thrown, uh, be thrown out, to be trampled under, underfoot by men. Now, granted, there are seasons in life where we need to some inner healing and, and, you know, and, and we work out some of our own emotional stuff. However, those are just small seasons. You know, we don't give up on the fact that we are called to be the salt, that we're called to be the light. In fact, Jesus says that, you know, you're a city on a hill and you cannot be hidden. You know, you cannot be hidden. He, and, and he says that you don't light a lamp and put it underneath a basket. 
but you put it on a lampstand so that everyone can see it. The world should know you by your works. Jesus said that you will know your, they will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for each other. So there has to be an evidence of our Christianity. There has to be an evidence of our walk with Jesus because we are the city on a hill. We It cannot be hidden. It is absolutely impossible. It's impossible. You can't hide it. You know, it's like going out and looking upon the horizon, you know, and you're, you're, say you're, you're approaching driving to a city and you see the cityscape from the highway. You know, you can't hide that. You know, it's impossible to hide it. And he says that you're a city on a hill. So it means you're seen from miles away. You're, it's seen from a very far distance. It's impossible to hide it. You know, it's like driving to the Rockies. You can't hide the Rockies. You know, there are the, the mountains. It's impossible to hide them. Uh, you know, so our works, our good works should be seen by all. See, and as soon as we stop doing the good works, we decide that we don't purpose it in our heart to do these things anymore. Like we have to have this heart posture of this needs to become a part of your DNA, part of your Christian walk, part of your identity is I do good works. Uh, you don't find your identity in the good works, but you do the good works because of the DNA that you have. See, and if we stop doing those things, it says that we were, are only good to be trampled underfoot the feet of man. The devil is, is called and positioned under the feet of man. You'll see that in Luke chapter 10. Uh, let me read that for you in, in, in Luke chapter 10. And in verse 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but that rather because you're... Your names are written in heaven. So in verse uh, verse 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and the powers of the enemy. So to trample upon something means that it's underfoot. You're trampling upon. So the devil is called to be under the feet of men. But Jesus says, if you lose your ability, you lose your flavor, you lose your ability to season. If you stop shining your light, He's saying that you are positioning yourself. You choose to position yourself in the same place of defeat as the enemy. Let me say that again. If you stop seasoning, you stop preserving the world, you stop shining your light, you position yourself in the same place of defeat as the enemy, because that the enemy is called to be under the feet of man. We are called to trample upon serpents and scorpions, but if we ourselves are being trampled upon, we cannot walk in authority or in victory over the enemy. 
you know, and it says in verse 19, so behold, I give you authority. That word authority is the Greek word exousia, you know, which literally speaks about judicial authority, the authority to cast a verdict or a judgment over something or someone, right? So we have the authority to cast a judgment from the courts of God over the enemy. Oh, that is so powerful. That is so magnificent power and authority that we have that we can destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus already destroyed the works. In fact, it says that in 1 John, it says he came to destroy the works of the devil. No, but we can now reassert that judgment and that authority over the enemy. But if we are not shining our light, we lose that authority because we begin to align ourselves in the same place as the enemy. We must always be shining our light. We must always be doing good works. Not that we have developed a Messiah complex, but we're continually out of the, the abundance of the love that you have for the Father and the transformation that he's caused in our hearts that our works become evidence. It becomes a part of who we are. You know, for example, someone who's, excited about something, you know, uh, like a gardener, uh, well, just garden. You don't have to tell a gardener to garden. They're excited about gardening. They love gardening. Uh, you know, you don't have to tell them to do it. They want to do it. A Christian shouldn't have to be told to do good works. They should be excited to do good works because they want to show the world the love of the Father because you are so transformed by the love of the Father that you want to show the world the love of the Father. So we must always be shining our light in the midst of darkness. And we touched on this a little bit, I believe, uh, 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 last podcast on how, the, uh, you know, in, in Colossians 2.15, says that work, the enemy's already been defeated. He, God's made a public spectacle of them and he triumphed over, triumphed over them in it. So we have this right to to walk in authority, devil's been defeated, but how do we actually trample upon the serpents and scorpions? You know, you'll see this in Ephesians chapter six, you know, Ephesians chapter six talks about the armor of God. Now I am convinced that putting on the armor of God is more than just a prayer. It's more than waking up in the morning and praying on the armor, you know, and this, let's look at this in Ephesians chapter six and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness of this of uh, rulers of, of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's just pause right there for a quick second. You know, in verse 10, let's go back to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not what we do. It's what the Lord does in us. We have to, we have to be strong in the power of the Lord. This is put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles. The word wiles literally means the trickeries or the deceptions of the devil. It doesn't say to put on the armor of God to withstand against the onslaught of spiritual attack and all these. No, no. The tricks, the deceptions 
of the devil. We talked about that last podcast, how the devil will take the truth and twist it. You know, and if we believe the lies that he speaks, we give him our authority. So we put on the armor of God to withstand the tricks, the lies, and the deceptions of the enemy. Now, uh, let's look down again in verse 13. It says, therefore, you know, so because we don't rustle against flesh and blood, and because we need to protect ourselves against the wiles of the enemy, and we need to be strong in the Lord, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplications in the spirit, being watchful to this end uh, with all perseverance and supplications to for all the saints. So, I truly believe that putting on the armor of God is not just something we pray because in this instruction, it says to end, put on the armor of God and to pray. It says, you know, it says praying always with all supplications. So he's saying, put on the armor and pray. So it seems to me like it's two different actions. Yes, you could pray on the armor of God, but it, it appears that there's actually a correlation, a difference being made, sorry, between armor and prayer. So I would suggest that the way that we put on the armor of God is actually by a lifestyle that we live. For example, putting on the helmet of salvation. I believe that's by renewing our minds, by working out our salvation with fear and trembling, as the scriptures tells us to do. Now, pick up the shield of faith. Now, how do we pick up the shield of faith? Paul says, above all, pick up the shield of faith. You know, it's you can sit there and pray, I pick up my shield of faith. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So could it possibly be that we actually have to invoke faith to actually pick up the shield of faith? You know, the sword of the spirit, you know, which is the word of God. Is it possible that we pick up the sword by the proclamation and declaration of the word of God, the breastplate of righteousness? Could it be that we begin to live a righteous lifestyle, understanding the identity of righteousness that we find in Jesus, because it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Now, and in verse 15, I, said, I love this, is having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How do you put the gospel, the preparation of peace on your feet? I believe that is through the preaching of the gospel. In Romans uh, uh, 9 or 10, I believe it is, I believe it's 10, it says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel. Why are their feet beautiful? Because they're bringing you good news. It's, it's an anticipation. Oh, like it's, their feet are lovely because they're, they're transporting the gospel. So, we put on the gospel, the preparation of peace on our feet through the bringing of the gospel. Where we have the intention in our hearts to actually present the gospel. So why is it so important that the gospel is on our feet? I don't believe Paul was uh, being uh, um, arbitrary on the on the comparison or the, the correlations between the, the armor and the direct results. So the gospel is on our feet because we need to transport the gospel. We need to bring the gospel. And it's, here's why it's so important to put on the footwear, 
because we're called to trample upon serpents and scorpions. You know, have you ever stepped on a piece of Lego with your bare feet? <laughs> I mean, it is painful. That is like, like pain level number nine out of 10. So how are we expected to trample upon serpents and scorpions, upon demons, without our spiritual footwear? We cannot do it. It is impossible to do. And we put on our spiritual footwear by bringing the gospel, positioning our hearts with a posture of, I am going to present the gospel everywhere I go. So in that place, if we want to move in authority, we have to bring our good works. We have to bring the gospel because our feet are now armored to crush Satan. You know, in Romans chapter 16, Romans 16 and verse 20, it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Oh, is that amazing? The God of peace. Now see the, the, the comparison, the correlation here. The God of peace then having your, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So Paul makes a comparison here. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet because your feet are shod with the gospel, the preparation of peace. You, do you see that? But if we don't do our good works, then we're trampled under feet, the feet of man, whereas that's where the enemy is supposed to be. So we have to be, have good works, our heart postured for good works, to display the goodness of God, to preach the gospel. We have to bring it forward and bring it to people on a regular basis. There has to be that position in our hearts that with the intentionality to show good works, to bring the gospel. I'm not saying you got to stand on a street corner with a bowhorn, but just in your every day life, ready in and out of season to give account of the good news of Jesus, ready in and out of season to present the good news about Jesus to whoever we encounter and looking for those opportunities because you are a city set on a hill, the light of the world. You know, you cannot hide your light lamp under a basket, but no, put it on a lampstand so that the world can see your good works and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Our good works will demonstrate the goodness of God, which is the goodness that leads people into repentance. Oh, it is such a magnificent and wonderful thing to be able to put your thumbprint upon the salvation of an individual because you influence their walk, you influence their, their spiritual development. It is such an amazing thing to behold. Oh, it's so powerful. It is so amazing. And if that drive is not inside of you to do good works, then you need to get in your prayer closet with the Lord and begin to uh, understand and ask the Lord to give you a revelation of who he is. Because a Christian walk is not all about you, but it's all about glorifying your father. So, an amazing thing that takes place. So if we want to walk in that authority, if we want to trample serpents and scorpions underfoot, you know, if we want to truly be able to have our words with declarations that we make actually pierce into darkness and begin to cause change and effect and pierce the hearts of individuals that we're speaking to, you know, we have to have the posture in our hearts to present the gospel. Without it, there, uh, there is no authority. Without the gospel, there is, a, there is not a full measure of authority. We need to have 
the gospel in our hearts, ready to be shared, preached, proclaimed, witnessed to, you know, whether it's through a simple kind gesture or uh, to the preaching of the gospel, to whether you're standing on a street corner with a megaphone or amplification, or you're just sharing the love of Jesus with your neighbor or your coworker. It doesn't matter how it's done. It just needs to get done. The Great Commission is a commission given to all of us. And you will watch, mark my words, watch and see when you begin to have a posture in your heart saying, I'm going to share Jesus with someone, you are going to start seeing the gospel being released over and over and over again. It's an amazing and marvelous thing that takes place when you posture your heart. You'll see the glory of God. You'll see the gospel release. Opportunities will come. You'll see that also the, like, people's hearts will be opened up to the gospel for you to share, but also the level of authority that you will move in will go into the next realm. You will watch your authority go up in the spirit while you will make declarations and you will start seeing things taking place. There's a new anointing, a new atmosphere of heaven that you'll enter into, and a new release of power. Just you watch and see. Mark my words. Just get into prayer closet with the Lord. Develop a burden for the lost, a burden to preach the gospel. And, you know, and when I say preach the gospel, like I said, it doesn't have to look one way or another, but it just needs to look like the gospel. So, I hope that you get something out of this and I and I really truly hope that you get on your face before the Lord and begin to share the gospel with people. You know, you know, you begin to develop that burden for souls. So Father, let me pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions. Lord, I pray that right now in Jesus' mighty name, you would just release that burden of the Lord, a burden for souls, a burden to share Jesus, that love that surpasses all understanding would just be so birthed on the inside of us that we could not contain it, but we would go out and have the world see our good works. We would shine our light. We would be the salt. We would be the lamp of the world and that we would be the city set on a high hill and people would see our works, our good works, and they would glorify you, Jesus. So Father, I thank you for your leading and your guiding in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Tune into the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Soul Purpose Podcast. If you liked this content, be sure to follow and subscribe. Listen in every other Wednesday for more on how to turn the hearts of the masses back to Jesus.